You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 28th of June. All I need to remember is it's episode 250. So that is fantastic. So it's also not Monday. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm running on like cruise control here. And it's not set to the right. You know what the best thing about that is? Had Vince not said anything, nobody would have noticed. This is true. Fuck you, Vince. We could have had a perfect intro. No. Yes, we could have. Realized, hey, the twenty eighth wasn't a Monday. Do you really think people would have looked that up? Let's be honest. Um, It's it's sort of like casual knowledge and I love my <laughs> listeners but I, if they're anything like me they hear a number they're like oh yeah that must be it they don't really correlate the numbers in the days unless it's like their birthday or something yeah, you know so for that one listener that is their birthday happy birthday but sorry yeah, you, the- would have, you would have thrown somebody off like they would have gone to work and like, okay, <laughs> Monday was the yeah because we then hold that much influence okay listen so- <laughs> i'm the first person in this podcast to be so full of himself that it hurts sometimes but even i don't have the illusion that people get their date and time schedule set <laughs> by our podcast okay i'm just saying it could have been a point of confusion and i have now saved our listener that trouble <laughs> or listener yeah well <laughs> listen i'm saying there is at least one listener that that would have been a problem for and you're welcome are you done now it's Allie, isn't it it's totally Allie, isn't it fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right anyways 250 episodes very cool. We'd be a little bit further ahead had it not been for the time off, but we are getting caught back up again. Eventually, we'll get caught up to CBI. We have actually got a crap load of games to talk about with a little bit more news from stuff that was initially announced at E3 as well. So this is actually going to be a fun one. Plus, uh, time depending, uh, I got back into D3 last night with my son because of the Necropack. So I'd like to give my, my just my initial thoughts on that. But we'll dive into that later. First, we're going to start with Assassin's Creed Origins. And Joe, I'll go to you for that. So this was actually something that I found very, very interesting, mostly because we got news now that the combat system has been completely reworked for Assassin's Creed Origins. One of the things that was great in the very beginning when you're playing it on the Xbox 360 was, yeah, the combat was okay, but it always felt a little clunky, especially as you moved on to the later generation of games. And this is the first time that they have ever tore it down and built it back up. So one of the things that they talked about was that the old version was doing something called animation pairing. And so basically it looked at your inputs and then mapped it to uh, the enemy, essentially. So it would watch what your input was and then frame the appropriate response on the other side. So everything was choreographed inside of the code, which apparently, and I was talking with one of my friends who works in AI, uh, that's why some of those games were actually like chugging in larger combat sequences because it was trying to do too many checks at once and limitation of hardware and all that good stuff. Bob's your uncle. You have all sorts of weird glitches here. They're going for something that's a little more satisfying to the player where they're basically doing a more dark souls like hitbox. That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. That means that they're going to have more realistic collision detection uh, when you more swing your weapon. rolling. Yes. Well, I mean, that's always part of Assassin's Creed. It always was. But they're talking about when you swing your weapon wherever you are, it's going to swing. If you hit something, they take damage. If you hit nothing, well, you you, probably opened yourself up to an attack, so you have to actually be careful now. So I think that's good. I think that's really, really good because this game needs to come out strong. The franchise, despite some of the, the cool stories in the last couple games, has suffered quite a bit from the formulaic content. And just using the same engine over and over again, they're actually putting something into this, and that excites me. Well, it shows that they is took this, the time off, too. That, that yeah. year off, they put it to good use. Is this also going to address the, yeah, I'm fighting eight guys at a time, but I'm only fighting them one at a time issue? 
Uh, from what I understand, yes. If it's anything like Dark Souls, it's going to suck. Okay. And by suck, I mean you're going to get your ass probably skewered a few times by some Egyptian steel. It's okay. You got homing arrows. And a Magic homing arrows, yeah. And a birdie. And Hoverbird. Don't forget Hoverbird. Yes. Hoverbird's going to save the day. He's going to crap on all the enemies. See, everybody's hating on it. I'm just like, whatever. It's a land of magic and fucking gods and shit. Fuck yeah, just give it to me. <laughs> well, no, because the entire concept of Assassin's Creed is that it does take place in our world. So, you know, physics is kind of still a, a, a thing. <laughs> Myths are based on some form of reality in some way, shape, or form, man. I'm just saying. No, so you're telling me Hoverbird is the reason for... <laughs> or maybe, uh, uh, listen, listen, the myth of Zeus coming down and fucking a cow is probably due to a farmer getting it on with this cow in the fields. It's based in reality. I'm just, I'm just you know, throwing it out there. <laughs> okay, anyways, was there anything else in Origins? Uh, no, that was basically it, uh, but it, it just does show that they, they took that time and spent it well. Yeah. So, well, that's and there's th- going to be more coming out for it, too, as they interview... Uh, closer as the game's progressing. That's the thing with, with these guys too, is that like people have been progressively bitching a lot more as the series has gone on and, and essentially saying that, yeah, it has gotten a little bit lazy or whatever. But the thing is, is that it's not, it's just, they were using the engine that they had, say what you will about Mm -hmm. the story, but that could be said about any story and various games. It's not, I don't feel it's that they got lazy so much as maybe a little complacent. And that's very different because, again, you can't say that them as a studio, that they're lazy. They put out a ton of content. So that year off, you wouldn't assume that they spent it off, relaxing, you know. (laughs) It makes sense that they were very busy developing all of this new stuff so that it is a fresh Fresh, fresh mechanics, some fresh ideas, and things like that. So, I, I have, I have faith in them, despite hovering birds. And you hit on an important thing, and I'll just talk about that real quick, and then we can move on. Is, is we talked about it before with the difference between like Eastern and Western game development. Eastern game development is very much all about creating a brand new system every time you release a game. They don't really license engines or things like that. Western game devs tend to very frequently just use the same engine or rely on the engine maker to update it for them. Uh, Like we saw with Unity and the Unreal Engine and all those other things. So them taking the time to actually develop a new engine, I think that that sort of creeping that mentality in a little bit is also really healthy too because i think every couple of years you should re-examine the platform uh, especially if it's going to be something like assassin's creed where for a long time it was episodic and, and they're doing the right things like these are the right steps that i like seeing so like you i have a ton of uh, a ton of respect and hope <laughs> we'll put it that way well I, I even the if big- they screw up that's the thing you you can have a lot of, of respect for them and understand that not everything's going to be a hit. Not everything's going to be a hit with everybody. Certainly, oh, yeah, there yeah, will yeah. be missteps, but they're trying. They're swinging for the fence. we got to mm-hmm. give them that. I think the big telling thing is going to be, okay, now that they've taken this year off and kind of tinkered with the, 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 the structure a bit, are they going to now do five more games in five more years? Or are they going to continue to kind of have gaps in between to actually improve them and iterate on it? Because I, I think taking a year off to, to rework some of the mechanics and the way the franchise works isn't going to be helpful in the long run if they just now keep using this same engine for the next five or six years. Yeah. Yeah, and time will tell. We'll yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I was super excited about Assassin's Creed Rebellion for tablets. <laughs> I'm serious because I love Fallout Shelter. I haven't been playing it nearly as much now. But because you got a new tablet. But now that I got the tablet, fucking right, I installed it back again because I love that shit. The only reason I didn't play it on my older one is because, again, I had a third generation, same as you, Joe, and iPad, and it chugged with that game, and I wound up losing it too, and it got corrupted at one point. So that's when I went, well, fuck that shit. But uh, but no, I'm going to play on that. But anyways, this one here, this is like they looked at Fallout Shelter and went, we'll show you fuckers how it's done because. It's gorgeous, first of all. It has this really interesting World of Final Fantasy kind of style to it. And you build up your brotherhood of assassins. You have, instead of of a shelter, you have this gorgeous fortress. 
and you could put all kinds of different things, whether you want to craft weapons or armor or train your guys or, or things like that. And the mission stuff that you can send your teams out on, much like, again, Fallout Shelter, they're far more intricate. Like, you could do a lot in those missions, be it, you know, if you want to disarm traps, if you want to try to use some stealth, or if you just want to go in and, and, and try to kill. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about taking down the Templars. And and there's stacks of hay to hide in. <laughs> but, no, I think it looks absolutely fantastic. I like the 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 manner in which you build up your team too, where you're buying the DNA cubes kind of thing. It's going to be obviously have the typical kind of microtransactions in it, but that, I'm fine with that. And sure. Yeah. And yeah. it just looks cool. And they're kind of, again, because it's completely different and is not canon per se, it's going to have some, some characters that, you know, like Ezio and, and whatever, but it's also just, again, it's just for fun. So they are putting them all together in the same time and saying that there's a new version of the Animus that allows you to play with all of these different characters from different times. And they understand that, you know, you have to have a certain amount of tongue-in-cheek when you're doing this type of, of little game. And I'm on board. Like, this is going to be... I'm going to play the shit out of this and likely spend a little too much in, in microtransactions because it looks <laughs> awesome. This will finally unseat Marvel Sim Sim. Unlikely. <laughs> Very, I'm too heavily invested in that fucking game. <laughs> I I play Marvel Sum Sum every day still. And I probably wouldn't as much except that both Karen and one of my daughters also play. Actually, both daughters now play, but one especially. And so we play together, we send each other energy, we joke around about whichever new Marvel Sum Sum we have, we do boss battles together. So again, it's a fun family thing for us at this point. So it's, it's unlikely that I'll stop. Plus, it's fucking fun and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on from there because we got a little bit more on Detroit becoming or become human. Joe, go ahead. This is actually kind of a big one, too. So I assume that most people have played or heard of Heavy Rain and the fact that it had a massive branching dialogue. It had far-reaching uh, changes in the paths that you could go through depending on what your choices were. It was a big selling point for that game. And it's also something that we here talk about a lot. We love the fact that choices have consequence. So David Cage, uh, who unsurprisingly loves the style of, of, of gameplay stated that Detroit becoming human uh, is going to have about three times or more the amount of branching paths that heavy rain did. That's fucking insane. That means that there is going to be so much influence on in each one of your choices. That's going to have on everything else that happens potentially that it's just, uh, the depth of that game is absolutely mind-blowing as far as even whether it's going to be successful or not as a whole other story, but yeah. the, the fact that they're trying that, that's massive. And they also stated that there's going to be a, uh, a rewind point, so to speak. So you can go through, and if you want to replay to see what would happen, let's say I'm 30 decisions in, and then I'm 100 decisions in, but I think maybe if I go back to that 30 decision mark and I choose something different, I might get a cool new, you know, arc or cool new story. And that's something that they want to put in there. So you can go back and say, okay, well, I'm going to play from this point and see what would happen if I did something else, which is a really cool idea. I like that because it's something that you can sit back and say, yeah, I want to experience something different without having to do the entire game all over again. And the other thing too, that I thought was interesting is they talked about, they want it to not really feel black and white. Like a lot of decision games we've had in the past or a lot of games that that tote uh, the sort of importance of your choice tend to have like maybe five endings and each one is pretty cut and dry where it's like this is the super good ending. This is the not so good, but still good. This is the neutral. This is the you're Vince and you killed Morden Solis because you're a bastard ending like you have that type of stuff here. They're Somebody like, had to unlock that ending. God. <laughs> <laughs> but here they want it to be a yeah, little psychopath. More... <laughs> Listen, there are artists and writers who put in a lot of work into that. And, and they I were psychopaths, to too. The results. 
Well, now Vince can experience a whole new psychopathic <laughs> rampage as he's leading the this uprising uh, of protesting androids through Detroit. Uh, he can just murder all the humans. I, I'm certain we'll hear all about it. But I like the idea of it having a gray area, like not everybody good is 100% good, not everybody bad is 100% bad, and you are the sum total of all your choices. That's massive. I that, like that. I like that a lot. That is such a bold statement that I want to believe it. I really want to believe everything <laughs> I read in that interview. But it is definitely one of those wherein it's ambitious. We will see because yeah. if it is, and I'm not saying it's not going to be, because again, the, the studio has this pedigree of offering choices. They're saying all the right things. We've seen some pretty amazing things so far and that's barely scratched the surface but the way that i look at it is that if and 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 again this is a big if if what they are saying is true then that means that this is no longer just a single playthrough experience even taking into account the rewind and everything else because if it is that radically different because that's what they said too that the the you and and, and and a friend playing could have entirely different playthroughs. If that's the case, that makes this a game that is quite literally a different game each time and, and radically different. Not just, oh, you've reached a point now where there's that moral choice like in, in Telltale Games. This is where it's going to branch a little bit, but not all too much. But... Here, the potential is there to, again, if what they're saying is true, to have a radically different story. And the only thing that that persists is is the world that was created, the characters that were created. So the lore is always going to be the same. And then from there, you get to play around with it in different ways. It's essentially a Lego crate full of Lego that you can build into whatever you want. And it's always going to be different. If that's the case, the, the dollar per time played value is going to be exceptional because again, if it's a world that you like, if it is the type of story that you are drawn to, which for me, and I know for you guys too, that kind of AI story is something that is going to be... Dude, it's a cyberpunk story. I'm 100%. Exactly. So it's going to be a ton of fun. So it it's a world that I can see myself living in for several playthroughs and just try to make them as radically different as possible. So again, if what they're saying is true, this is going to be an Astounding game, and and I'm looking forward to it as well. If we all pick it up, because as opposed to other games where we have to be very careful what we spoil or whatnot, we are going to be able to dive into this <laughs> shit mm-hmm. and spoil whatever the fuck we want. Because the odds of the three of us, once again, if what they're saying is true, the odds of the three of us having an exact playthrough are slim to none. So I'm really looking forward to that. And even if it's just a little bit more than what was offered in Heavy Rain, even if they don't necessarily have like three times the branching paths, even if they double it, even if they one and a half times it, it's still going to yeah. be a massive game. Yeah. It, like, and that's the beauty of it is if that's their baseline and that's the minimum, it's still not going to be a fail, even if they don't surpass it. It's potentially like as long as the story is well written and the characters are well done, then you have a winner on your hands. And I, I am going to pick this up day one. Yeah, like I'm already, I'm already in. Because right, as much as I enjoyed Heavy Rain, like, and when I started a second playthrough, like knowing that by the time I get to the end, you know, things could be very different. The path to that end was still too familiar and too similar. Like I had never even finished a second playthrough of Heavy Rain just because, even though I was making different decisions like the 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 framework was still pretty much the same but uh, the thoughts that i can do a second playthrough and even like right off the bat have radically different avenues that i can go down that that really excites me because i i I still wish i could have done more heavy rain but i it just felt too repetitive to me right okay let's move on to beyond good and evil too because we got yet more news about that which is impressive as fuck oh my god (laughs) Oh my god, he said it is God. Oh shit. <laughs> shit. 
I was watching this video and Alicia comes in from the other room. Is like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. There are tears like, of joy. She's just like, <laughs> because we got um, Michelle Ancel was uh, showing off some pre alpha gameplay. Not even really gameplay because there wasn't, you know, gameplay, but you know what I mean. Like actual in engine product of beyond good and evil too and what they're going for and the just the sheer scope is mind-boggling like they show off like the cool pirate ship like yeah this is a cool pirate ship you're not gonna have a cool pirate ship at the beginning of the game (laughs) they show off the smaller pirate ship that comes out of the bigger pirate ship (laughs) and the monkey jetpacking around and like okay you know this is cool this is interesting like one of the big things from the first game was your little hovercraft that you could take around the world and explore. Like, okay, that was cool. And like, he climbed to the top of this big statue. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's, it's open world. It's free roam. That's great. And then he's like, now let me show you something. And like, he goes over to his dev tools <laughs> and zooms out, <laughs> zooms out. And it's this tiny little speck of a monkey atop this huge statue. And they're like, okay, let's zoom out a little more. And now you have this tiny little speck of a statue on this huge and just kept zooming out and zooming out and zooming out until you're looking at it from like a solar system size of the view. And he's like, this is this is what we're doing. Like, this is the scope of the game. And like, it's I I, I was just like watching this mouth agape. Like, I can't, couldn't believe. And they're like, oh, yeah, like you see the sunset. Like, yeah, we didn't just animate a sunset. And then again, he zooms out. He's like, you see that big ball of light? That's the sun. (laughs) What you see is the actual refraction of that light through the actual atmosphere that's on this actual planet they designed. And I was just like, how how did they do this? There's (laughs) friction. There's friction on their ships when Mm -hmm. they are in the atmosphere Mm -hmm. going out of the atmosphere and then showing once they're out of the atmosphere. Oh, you see how there's no longer friction. It's not, it's not getting hot anymore because there's no atmosphere out here. And I'm going, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. That is astounding. Like it was funny because I watched the, the, the videos at the same time. I watched the Detroit stuff and I was like, oh man, I am so into this fucking game. It's unbelievable. I can't wait. And then watching the Beyond Good and Evil, I'm going, oh my God. <laughs> like, look at the size of that Saturn fucking planet there that you can travel to. And, and I don't know whether or not they're going to be putting a lot of stuff on. It's not Saturn, but it's a Saturn-like planet with with rings and all that. But the fact that he mentioned the that there's not as many uh, buildings and settlements and whatnot on the planet because of all the fucking bombardments from asteroids and everything, (laughs) and then showing that off, and then showing how the the that planet is basically rotating is basically a moon around that Saturn building, like. They brought in people. They either really did oh, their yeah. research or they Listen, fucking called Neil deGrasse Tyson and tell them to come over for, no, no, for, no. for something. What happened but, is NASA, NASA scientists were looking for ways to fund projects, and this is what wound up happening as a result of that. Because <laughs> they – again, I, I'm not a fucking astrophysicist, so I don't know just how accurate it is, of course. But the things that they were saying showed that they really took pains to – to try at least to make it sound as accurate as possible. I was fucking blown away. Like this is the kind of shit that I was hoping Andromeda was going to be, you know, like Mm -hmm. this, this looks to be exactly what I want to be playing for a long time. And I mean, in looking at it, like this is, everybody's been clamoring for beyond good and evil Two. It's been 15 years almost at this point. And long years 15 long years <laughs> that feels like this is the going to be the perfect release like th- i understand them waiting i dig it and I, I i love the fact that they're producing something with this scope and with this beautiful of an engine like oh god <laughs> like the, the the let's not even like talk shit about it or like anything like that. It's like what we see already in this unfinished game is fucking 
gorgeous. Well, he was saying the ship, like, this is rough. It's not done yet. Or the Ganesh statue. <laughs> this isn't finished. How is it not done yet? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, bastards. it is gorgeous. Are you kidding me? That's not finished? It's so, just a placeholder. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely beautiful, man. And the fact, too, that, like, he was talking about the monkey being outside and delivering pizzas on his jetpack well, and yeah. then saying you have choices here because if you go into that ship the massive one you can actually wander around in there too and you could do things in there that will impact the story in the world and whatnot as well in the same way that when he was talking again about the bombardment of the asteroids and different things like that how that's going to change permanently change the settlement in those areas that are not populated kind of thing. I was like, holy shit. Well, yeah, even with all this incredible tech and everything on display, like that's what actually I really was happiest to see between that and like the, the whole video about, you know, being able to create your pirate and how you recruit your crew and this and that, that a lot of the elements that conceptually made the first game so great are still present. Like the scope is exponentially more gigantic like the game is completely different it doesn't you know, the, the world feels different it's, it's, it's a very different feel but the core of the original game is still there and that's having in the original game you, you essentially played a journalist where you were going around and uncovering corruption and that's what they said here like yeah you could deliver a pizza find out this ship is full of slaves you know take pictures of it and bring it back to you know the the resistance back back home and that's you know part of the story and that's how you you're able to affect what's going on that you're you're still going around and uncovering all these different parts of society like through your own exploration and being able to bring things to light gain new allies gain new enemies like they're they're taking a very bioware approach with the crew of like you just you know i couldn't like they said like there's going to be so many different potential crew members out there that you can recruit or even create in some instances and then some of them you know they might not stick around because you might have that conflict of interest and you know just can't get along and it's taking that very very focused core concept of the original game and just blowing it up to this absurd degree is it's it's actually great to see because like you know that no matter how big it gets no matter how different it gets it's still beyond good and evil. You're still going to be taking behind pictures. it all. Yeah. When they, when they said about the pictures, I was like, world. yeah. Sorry. What was that Joe? So it's still good. It's still beyond good and evil. You're getting a magnificent world. It's just now that magnificent world is getting, is being showcased in more ways. Like we're able to see it more in depth than we've ever had before. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Destiny. We got a little bit of news in terms of what we can expect for legacy characters who are going to be going into Diablo or sorry, Destiny 2 now. Go ahead, Joe. So, yeah, this is um interesting to me because one of the one of the things that everybody's been concerned about is everything I've done in Destiny 1, how's it going to carry over to Destiny 2? All these wonderful things I've unlocked, are they going to come with me? Uh turns out not a whole lot of them really are the things that you're really basically you're going to come over uh, are going to be more your wardrobe things uh, than anything else. Uh, but you're and also your gonna... memories, Joe, your memories. <laughs> and your memories and your memories. It's... There's a price on them, Vince. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting is they're working in a bunch of the uh, the sigils and the banners that you've unlocked throughout all the events and everything from Destiny One. When you import a character, when you bring the character over, those are integrated into your game background and your headers and footers, which I think is really an interesting way to do it. And some people are like, oh, that's a cop out. That's a cop out. That's a cop out. I don't really think it is. It's a nice nod because going with the, the whole flow of the, the story, you lose everything. But These are reminders to. of everything you've done in the past. You're so supposed like, to lose everything. That's the thing, though. Like I mean, exactly. Anybody who bitches about that doesn't understand how sequels work. The entire purpose of the sequel versus an expansion is they want to wipe the slate clean. So to entice new members to to join and everything. So I was not expecting even this much to carry forward. Yeah, and, and it's also important, too, because a lot of the stuff that people earned when Destiny first came out, like the uh, a bunch of the year one stuff, a bunch of the uh, unique events that haven't repeated, 
or, or there, which there were actually a few of those, uh, as well as some of the original unlocks that you got from uh, your different ranks that you could you could get in the uh, the crucibles. Uh, those are carrying over as well, and there's no way to ever get those again now. Like they're not going to repeat them. They're not going to do anything with them. Those are going to be unique to you as a player if you have them unlocked. So it's a nice little thing about that. And I like that. I really do like that. I like that idea a lot. Um, so I think they found a decent balance here. Yes, I'm not going to be able to keep, you know, every single thing I got from the first time. But that's quite OK because the world's burning down around me anyway. I got other shit to worry about. Well, it makes sense, too. Like, I mean, honestly, a, a header or footer kind of little image is plenty good to kind of show that you've been around for a while. You've done things. Good for you. You're a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, I, I'm i looking forward to the clean slate. And that's even taking into consideration yeah. the wealth of gameplay I've been doing lately in into Destiny 1 now. And even with that, I'm like, I know I'm just doing it for the experience right now so I can get that under my belt. But I'm not carrying any of this shit forward, and that's fine. I'm looking forward to the new stuff. Okay, let's oh, move absolutely. on. Absolutely, and that's where it's at. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from there. We got just a little bit of news for, from uh, Bioware in regards to Anthem that they were saying how it is actually not going to be hardcore science fiction kind of thing. They're they're leaving that more for Mass Effect, which I kind of laughed when I heard that. <laughs> Mass Effect but, is about space wizards fighting evil ancient gods. Well, they, they've got <laughs> biotics. That's sciencey. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be a lot more science fantasy like your Star Wars and whatnot, which is fine. I mean, if they are looking at having that divide and they are going to make this something that is more about, you know, fantasy in space, I'm I'm good with that. I Again, it's going to depend on how it's handled, but knowing who's who's working on it, I'm fine with that. And then they were talking a little bit more how they you will be able to play it solo, but they are really pushing a co-op vibe on uh, for this game. Which will be interesting to see how it's handled and, and go from there. So if it's if it's handled well and it's a Overwatch type of situation where you could just bounce in with friends and, and do a quick match or two, then okay, fine. But if that's the case, then it's going to be competing against Overwatch, which is going to be a hell of a hard game to compete against. So I'm curious what there's how they're going to do it, but... But the fact that they're planning on putting so much in terms of role-playing within it as well, it, that might hedge it forward a little bit past Overwatch for some people. Because as, as much fun as Overwatch is, as we've discussed, the story tends to be outside of the game and it's just lore from within. So if Anthem can do something wherein there's a lot of, be it questing or missions or whatever kind of stuff that is the RPG elements plus be able to do the other kind of things, then that'd be cool that I'm looking forward. I I'm curious if it's going to be more of a mass effect type of gameplay or a destiny kind of gameplay. And those two are radically different. So it'll be fun to see. This actually piqued interest from me, which I kind of originally wrote Anthem off when I first saw it. Like it looked fun, but it was, I like meat and potatoes with my my you know nice little dessert as well. Like it has to look good and be fun, but I like having that story there too. So depending on how that works out, like they've got my attention at least now. Well, and also if this is going to be you know their destiny type game with years and years of content, having a less hard line approach to the way the lore works of. You know, having if they want to add in something eight years down the road and realize that, no, that's scientifically impossible in this universe because we're super sci fi. If you're taking a more fantasy style approach to it, you can kind of just wing it Go to a it. certain extent. Yeah. As long as the lore makes sense, you can make up a lot of the actual rules behind it, which it's a smart way to go. Yeah. Like just again, just look at destiny, light, darkness, like very broad strokes so they can just keep adding things on top of it without redacting anything. They're not even fucking original about it either. That's a Star Wars thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, like there you go, Bioware. You don't even have to fucking invent shit, just steal it from other people. <laughs> okay, we got a little bit more to on Spider-Man including a very fucking cool interview that I enjoyed a lot. Go ahead, Joe. I actually have quite a bit here to share about this. I actually uh, almost put it myself, too, because I was going to talk about it. I, I read it and I went, damn, that's well, we're probably in, the only we're good thing this week. We're, 
we can share, Roger. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm it's sure this, there's going to be things. So one of the things we, we talked about when we first saw it is that there is a lot of of Arkham feel to it, a lot of Batman, Arkham, whatever uh, to it. And it turns out when this interview with Mike Jones, there's a reason for that. Uh, he is apparently a huge fan of the Arkham series who has spent enough time in those games to have platinum every single oh, one of the games except Origins uh, well. because that one had an online component that he didn't get. That's massive. That means that he is, he understands the what players want because he's one of us, and that's and I'm quite okay with that. Um, so when they start talking about it, I would say platinuming all of them doesn't make him one of us. It makes him better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll concede that point. I was really happy when I got all the Riddler trophies in Arkham City. <laughs> I didn't even bother with that. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not even all of them. Enough to unlock the last thing, which the only reason I did that is because I had the bonus Catwoman ones, so I didn't have to get all of them. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. No, that's right. I forgot about that. But one of the things he hit on when talking about it was, was something that I think is really interesting and compelling because when you look at Arkham, the mechanics in the story, and you think about where it fits into DC and, and the universe as a whole and how Rocksteady did it, they didn't just, and he says, they didn't rehash stories that you had seen or heard. Uh, they took inspiration from the animated series, the films, comics, but at the end of the day, it felt authentic. It felt its own standalone thing. And one of the things that they said is, if you took Batman out of that equation, those game worlds still felt compelling. And that's some of the things that they took when they were making this, because they wanted to create a unique character, a character that you could basically lean into that character, nailing the uniqueness of each character experience. And and then the gameplay becomes compelling around that. And that's accurate. We've been saying that for years. If you nail the character, you do the story right. The game mechanics, you know, as long as they're halfway decent and fit that character, you got a golden game on your hands. And so I'm kind of like that idea where they're looking at Spider-Man. And we talked about they're, they're looking at the, I believe it's the spiral, but it's not quite the spiral. And they're taking inspiration from years of comics and the Marvel Universe movies, as well as the animated series and creating a Peter Parker that we've been we've been begging for. Um, and this is also something that I, I happened to pick up on not only during this interview, but when I saw this, I started actually digging a little bit deeper. And a lot of the other interviews, they start talking about how this is a more mature Peter. This is not a young Peter like everything else. He's older in these games. He's not a teenager. And that's really where Peter started to flourish in the comics when he was older. And he started to do things that were not just, oh, I have to get to school. I hope Mary Jane likes me type thing on top of now I got to go punch Mysterio in the face they're really trying to dive deep into that character. That's fucking huge. That makes me happy. Now, a couple other things that I wanted to note is we did find out that a lot of the uh, extra bonuses that you're going to unlock while you play the game are going to be done through side missions uh, that are going to be part of the world that, that, that is just apparently absolutely massive because they wanted to create this big, vibrant living and city for you to, exist in which you would kind of expect from a spider-man thing but as you go through those side missions and you complete those various tasks you'll then unlock uh further and further costumes and and things for you to enjoy in game as opposed to just buying a dlc which is something batman often made you do he's just like you want the suit buy the dlc you want the suit buy the dlc they want these to be unlocks for you and they want them to be rewards for you essentially going and being spider-man in the city which i think is fucking awesome and the last, the last thing that I thought was kind of important, I'm going to talk about Miles Morales just a little bit, is they basically said nothing about what he's going to do, but that you're not going to put him in there and relegate him into basically what is going to be a bit roll cameo. So there's going to be more to it than we know. Um, and they did confirm that Mr. Negative is going to be uh, the main villain. That's what I got. I thought I'm that, fucking excited just on that. Oh, yeah. Although I will say, as much as I loved a lot of what he was saying in terms of how they're approaching uh, gaming now with their characters, as opposed to how they have in the past, and how they understand the importance of good games with their characters now, something that they took for granted before, that's great. So that's that shows some maturity 
on the part of the studio that they're willing to now really work towards this and hiring the right people to make it happen. So that's cool. And I really, really like when they were talking as well about the possibility down the road of doing indie games with various Marvel characters. That's well, let's just say what it is. You, you saw VR and your your eyes lit up with big hearts, didn't they? <laughs> no. Actually, no. Honestly, no. Um, yes, I'd be excited if it was done well, but I was far more interested in the idea of these short indie games that ro- revolve around a specific story arc. And they use Brubaker's Captain America run as an example. And I was thinking about the, the, the wealth of different events that, that we talked about on Comic Book Informer that I thought, man, you know, if a, if a small developer was, was interested enough and passionate about some of these, these story arcs that occurred as well and wanted to make a small indie game out of it, that's spectacular. Like right now you said how they're concentrating on the, the big AAA ones in addition to their mobile platform. Which I'm very disappointed he didn't fucking mention Marvel. Some somebody, <laughs> but uh, but no, the idea that later on we could get a small studio working on just you know the 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 X Force story arc and just the, the that initial one or a, a Wolverine origin story or just again just a simple story arc that they're going to make into a, a little indie game, be, be creative with how you do it and just see whether or not it works. That's, that's really exciting. I, I really like that a lot. Or even more obscure characters that wouldn't be yes. worth, you know, putting millions of dollars into a triple A game. Oh, like sure, imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine an indie developed cloak and dagger. game. Oh, dude. <laughs> like yes. or Moon Knight or, or any of these other characters that will never going to be on Spider-Man's level. But you can well, still make a great game with them. Yeah. Along that same vein, I had a I had a weird exchange way long ago with Agent M about like random characters to appear in their games. And one of them that I've always wanted to show up in a game, but I don't think ever will unless it's one of these indie things. Fucking slapstick. Okay. That wacky uh, motherfucker. Everybody hates him, but I loved him as a kid. I really honestly did. Think about some of the weird shit you could do with him in a video game you can make a really out there platformer or something along those lines with him and i'd be perfectly fucking happy i don't even know the hell that is brain when the hell were those slapstick yeah is that a villain or is that a hero no that was a hero he was uh basically turned it was a hero that wound up being um he was a living cartoon essentially he could summon like all the acme shit out of the aether and he had a giant mallet and he was just wacky and it was one of those things. Part of the new warriors. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That would have been after my time, probably. Oh, definitely. So yeah. It was way after your time. time. Okay. Anyways, very very cool things being said, and I I thought he was a little too, uh, played it too close to the chest when he was asked. Does that mean we will see more games with other people that you know you could do something implying miles and things like that and he kind of downplayed it a little bit too much and saying how they're concentrating on this now which i understand that's the spiel you got to deliver but it would have been nice if they he would have been a little bit more open about it and and said you know what yeah if the right studio wants to tackle miles then yeah we'll work with them to make it happen you know what i think that is though i think that has to be um the current like struggle that's happening in the background and he probably isn't allowed to commit to anything at all regarding that because with what's going on with the diversity line in the comics and all that other horse shit and then everything else that's going on, I wouldn't be surprised if there's backroom arguments about all that stuff. Well, and there's also still rights issues. Like I was just reading yeah. last night that apparently all the Fantastic Four characters have to be removed from Marvel Heroes yes. because apparently Marvel no longer owns the video game rights to them. So it's a complex yeah, situation Fox for any those, number of reasons. I guess they only licensed them back to Marvel for like a brief period. Like it's it's yeah. bizarre. I thought they only sold off the rights the the movie rights. Uh, apparently, not, the no. video game rights are a unique thing as well. Like every Fantastic Four character, with the exception of Doctor Doom, is being removed from Marvel Heroes as we speak. Huh. Yeah, they, this is you could actually they this has happened with a couple other things too. I just can't remember who off the top of my head, but I'm not terribly surprised. That would explain why there's no Fantastic Four or Marvel Tumsum as well. 
No fucking X Men yeah. too. God damn it. <laughs> I want a fucking Wolverine some some. Make it happen, people. <laughs> if you could put Spider Man <laughs> in both movies, you can do this. <laughs> okay, let's move on from there. Vince, you found this hidden agenda game, which I had heard fuck all about, but then after I watched the video and read up on it, it was like, holy shit, I can't wait to play this fucking game with my I family. Know. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was at it was at E3. It was at Sony's booth, and I've seen a grand total of one article about it. <laughs> but it looks awesome. It's from Supermassive Games, the developers of Until Dawn, and they're taking the concept behind the Jackbox games. If you guys aren't familiar, from the studio that made the old You Don't Know Jack trivia games, yep. which everybody played back in the '90s because they were amazing, reinvented gaming like that for modern consoles where you can play the game on your TV and everybody has, you know, their own phones or tablets or whatever device you have connected to it. So they're able to play on like their own individual screens. So you have a lot of like fun, like deception games and like guessing games, Pictionary, like all kinds of, of stuff is involved with that. So they're taking that idea of people having their own screens. And as I said, it's not, you know, you don't need a special peripheral. It's it's your phone. Like, that's yep. all there is to it. So everybody can have their own unique screens. And putting that concept into a game like Until Dawn, a decision-based, branching, narrative story game. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. It's, it, at first, I thought it's kind of similar to what we're seeing with Telltale now, where they have, like, the crowd play feature for... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think it was for Batman as well. I think so. Whatever. Yeah, one of the other games they did it with. Like, okay, that's interesting. But then they start getting into why this game is called Hidden Agenda. The entire concept of this game is you play a police officer and a prosecution attorney, both females, pointing that out. Uh, Good job on you guys for doing that. Uh, Trying to track down and convict a serial killer. Where the hidden agenda comes in is everybody has their own little screens where they get to make their decisions, like certain decisions of the game one player gets to make, other decisions are have to be unanimous, or some, you know, it's like a voting thing. But each player is given a secret objective that they have mm-hmm. to try. So somebody within the game is actually trying to help the serial killer, and you don't know. Like, so it's it's this entire meta game of who's screwing over the team, like having to like go along with certain decisions until you can, you know, find your moment to strike. Like I said, everybody gets these little cards they can play, which will overrule the rest of the team. And it becomes this completely different experience, which I can't wait to actually see, you know, in practice for myself, like just reading this article got me so hyped for it. Like It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> they say the game is going to be kind of short, you know, it's going to be about as long as an actual movie if you were watching it, but given the way it plays, you could play this so many times. It's going to be a great party game, and I really hope that this is something that they they continue to expand on this idea because this sounds so much fun. There's actually a lot of games coming out in this vein. Uh, there's some that are out there right now that are um, sort of like there's been a resurgence of that sort of party board gameish type feel, which I'm really it, happy about. I forget what they call it. Like Sony has an actual name for for this concept that they're doing and the the first game like they're releasing under it actually comes out next month it's free on playstation plus like it's not as as crazy interactive it's more like an actual party game it's not yeah, yeah. something that's low. but this is a big thing that sony is really driving out across their brand this year well and it's good because they're doing they're they're tapping into that resurgence particularly of board games through their own media because this is the type of game that's become really really popular you know secret secret hitler werewolf um mm-hmm. resistance uh all of those sort of games have because they're cheap and easy to um sort of get a that, bunch of people together and play and in I, a couple I hours can play coup for hours yeah and exactly. it's just the simplest thing in the world and, and here in or bang bangs the other one that's another good one too um but I love seeing that idea translated to this because it makes it easier to play that that type of game with, you know, friends who don't necessarily understand how dice and and cards work or maybe are a little bit off put about it. Everybody knows how to use a fucking uh, smartphone at this point. Mm -hmm. So it's like, here's your options. Pick one. Like, and that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that this is going to be 
an awesome drinking game. <laughs> oh my goodness. Once you've had a couple of <laughs> drinks, then trying to keep a straight face when you're the one that's the the the, the, the one that's helping the, the serial killer is going to be hysterical. I, at least I know for my family, it's going to be fucking hysterical. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. All right, let's move I, on. I hope there's some sort of like online way to do it as well. Like, yes. Couch co-op is fun. But, you know, let's be honest, not all, all of us, three of us playing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely. OK, let's move on from there. Briefly, there was a uh, a mention by the developers for Wild West Online where they were saying that they're planning on putting gambling in the game, which because, of course, it's an old Western game. So they want gambling. But they were actually asking people what type of games they would like to see in there. Which leads you to believe that there's going to be actually probably quite a bit of gambling in there, which I fucking love. Like this is it made me think of just the fucking card game in Final Fantasy 14 and how much fun that is. And for the people who like Gwent from within The Witcher, this is going to be that kind of idea as well. We're in once again, once you're in the world, it's fun to do these things that you're immersed in that that again that world this old style western and i just thought that was fucking awesome i really really hope that they have you know the back room casino type of things with the oh, poker yes, tables yep. and, and just, craps just, and everything just putting it out there if you haven't been seeing on twitter now that i'm back into final fantasy 14 my current goal outside of like you know actually playing the game is I'm opening an underground casino in the basement of Alicia's I saw cafe. that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Was, your, your attire made that very interesting. Please tell me you're going to start calling yourself like the Red Baron or something. <laughs> well, I'm playing a Red Mage. So I, I used the uh, the uh, the gambling currency in the game, the, the gold saucer points that you get from playing the card game and all that, to buy the actual gambler outfit. And then I dyed it red to be, of course red mage attire and it's it's perfect i love it (laughs) but like i started off with just like this little corner of the basement and like it's become a very popular idea people now want to visit and join in did she know you were starting this Hmm? did she know you were doing this she told me i could redecorate the basement however i want (laughs) she fucked up (laughs) <laughs> but it, 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 it's 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 an example to your point that this is something that if you can add it into your online game, it's going to be fun. People are going to enjoy it. Like, I, I actually do really look forward to seeing how you can do this in a Wild West setting as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't imagine we'll have the control to do too much more other than just play. But I'm fine with that. As long as it, it uses the actual currency in the game as well. So mm-hmm. you can lose everything. Or you can make a small fortune as well, although, you know, the house is always rigged. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're, they're going to do with this. I and, imagine they would have to, though, just to avoid any sort of potential online gambling bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. it'd have to be something like, you know, the I'm, dollars I'm you're going in to game. assume there's, there's going to be a way where you can buy in-game currency with real money. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what they do. It's It's murky waters. Yeah, but there's gambling in a bunch of other games as well, too. Mm-hmm. So I I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Lastly, like I said, I picked up the Necromancer pack for Diablo 3 for both myself and my son. Necros are fucking OP as fuck right now. <laughs> Holy oh, I- shit. Now, now put this into perspective because in my experience with Diablo 3, the last time I played, everything was OP. Not like this. Not like this. At the, level at level one, you, like rares, elites, bosses, no fucking problem. With, I I played for a little while, and Tristan did the same thing too because I I bought them during the day, but of course I was working, so he was gonna wait for me, and I was no 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 play have fun. That's why I bought it for you, and he was working at at five till eleven anyway. So I said you're not gonna have time to play later, so just play have fun. So he played for a little while. And then after he'd gone to work, I played for a little while as well. And he had told me, like, he was just going out. He put, he cranked up the difficulty several levels and then just went out and was obliterating everything with no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing. And and for the longest time, I didn't even equip any armor or anything. I had the starting <laughs> yep. armor yep. And, 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 and sickle that you get. 
And that was it. And I was all the obliterating skeletons. It's even it's even easier. <laughs> well, even without the skeletons, before you even get the skeletons, you start off with the spike trap ability, yep. which kind of keeps some at bay and it hurts like a motherfucker, too. And it's got that stun component at like level five. Yeah. And then you get the corpse corpse explosion really fast. The, Which is so it's, satisfying. When you get that corpse explosion, that's it. Like, you are literally looking for the biggest packs. All you need to do is kill one, and it and turns into this chain reaction. And it's just constant. Boom, 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 boom. Everything dies. It's glorious. <laughs> so so we played, each of us, for, for quite a while. And then um, last night, we, we leveled each other as well. So... Because again, it's the new season isn't starting season 11. I kept saying 10 before it's actually 11 isn't starting until the 20th of July, which is way too fucking long to wait now. So we decided, well, we'll just play for a while anyway, so that once the 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 next season starts, we'll know how we want to play the Necromancer as well. Because right now the game has been out long enough that we know the other classes and we know what specs we like for each of those classes. Because that's the thing with D3 that a lot of people don't get, that each class, the, the gameplay is so radically different based on how you spec them out that mm-hmm. I've played many of them and hated them until I happened upon a spec that I like. And then it was like, this mm-hmm. is the greatest class ever. Case in point, I, I, Thorn Seder. I never played a Thorn Seder. I hated Crusaders. Then I tried a Thorn Seder and it was like, that's oh, it's so my, fun, isn't it? That It's my favorite, bar none favorite. So this is right now, nobody except for whoever was in the, in the beta have no fucking clue about specs and what's the best and different things like that because they're still fine tuning it as well which is why there's such a, a huge gap between seasons. So we're messing around with different abilities and, and different sets and, and whatnot. But it is, again, your character is OP as fuck right now, and it's it's a ton of fun. The gameplay is oh, yeah. a lot of fun. It's, it's introducing th- some things that we haven't seen. And if you spec out certain ways and you have the the sets for it like Tristan has been working on a set and a spec that is just basically the D2 general of just having yep. an yep. army of undead and that's what he's been working towards whereas I'm working more towards just an unkillable because you can have a necro that's a fucking tank like nobody's business like Dude, there's a siphon blood bill that's ridiculous yeah the 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 amount of both life stealing as well as protection that you get is ridiculous so i've been working more tanky and he's working more general dps kind of thing but so far it's a lot of fun it's between that you get the two stashes which is nice still uh stash tabs mm-hmm. you get two extra character slots which can come in handy. Uh, you get uh, a pendant, which, meh, I kind of prefer one of the other ones a lot more. The wings are really quite nice. And the portrait actually is really fucking nice. I was surprised. Normally, it's yeah. like, I care less, but it looks fucking good. And then the banner. Oh, and the mini pet, which I don't like the look of that mini pet, but meh, whatever. So I, I like running around with Diablo, and, and as much as I love those bone wings, there's something really satisfying about my necromancer running around with mercy wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, let me ask a question, Roger. Like, had, do, do you feel there's enough uh, uniqueness between the necromancer and the witch doctor? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, okay. yes, 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 absolutely. Lots, lots. And and that's coming I, from someone too, that if you couldn't tell. <laughs> we've played a, a lot together, you and I, where we've both have played witch doctors. And you know I like the class a lot, a, a lot. Mm-hmm. This has the potential to be a lot more fun because okay. of the because of the manner in which you you get your 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 minions and things like that with the with the witch doctor you're doing a lot of things where they just kind of appear or you have one ability and then they come or or the sycophants and things like that and there's some of that with this however there's also the potential for crazy combos so case in point, Tristan comes downstairs before heading to work today, and he had been playing for, for a little while, and he said that like he, he was smart too because <laughs> we were playing on our, our legacy account character, kind of not seasonal. So all of the stuff that's accumulated 
over <laughs> seasons that we never touch. <laughs> so now it's like, let's just gamble like crazy in the cube until we get all of the gear that we want. So he, he did that. Anyways, he was saying how the, the, the spec that he's got going on now, one of the abilities you pay, I think it's like 25% of your health, and you create a copy of you yep. out of blood. And yep. this blood copy of you does your secondary abilities. So if you equip the secondary ability to summon mages, then now you've got um, your, your, and there's another ability that you can choose so that you have not just one copy of you, but actually another one as well. So there's three of you, each of them summoning, I think it's <laughs> three mages. And then you Plus can choose. You can summon on your own. Right. And then you can choose um, to to make it so that they the mages deal up to 5,000% of your weapon damage. So now all of a sudden, you go click, click, click. You've got three of you plus, I think, six or more of the, 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 the mage minion. Plus, on top of that, any other skeletal or golem that you have mm-hmm. out. And your mages at least are dealing 5,000%. Plus, plus, <laughs> plus, there's abilities like the Thorn Seder to apply a fuck ton of Thorns damage. So now if you also put a, um, what is it? I think it's the Topaz that does Thorns damage. Yeah. On your weapon. Plus, there's a, a legendary gem that is specifically for Thorns damage. Equip that shit. Now your, your, your minions are doing a, a ridiculous amount of DPS. And it's, again, it's more clever than how the Witch Doctor does it, which I really like. Okay. Like, I'll, I'll probably check it out once the new season rolls around. Yeah. Well, well it's worth it. It's very, it's super satisfying is really what it is. Like, like me playing around with it over the last couple of days, like I had a shitty day yesterday and I came home and was like, fuck it. I'm buying the Necromancer pack. It made my day <laughs> infinitely. It's like everything about it is just stupidly satisfying. It, I I commend them because I played a necromancer pretty extensively in B2 and I'm starting to get that bug back and I've been I haven't really cared about Diablo 3 in a long time. I give a shit again because this class is so much fun. And, and here's the thing, like I this is what I've talked about, like just adding a new character to the same existing game didn't excite me that much, but I also saw in was it patch 2.6 or whatever they added a bunch of new zones and stuff too so that yeah. that's actually what has yeah, me was, interested in addition to be having a different play style there's actual new content as well i was gonna say that's the other cool thing that i noticed and i don't know if roger's done i was doing bounties uh just because i like adventure mode um and i noticed that there's like rift like areas randomly strewn about the game and they're incredibly fucking fun like it's like you're going through a greater rift, except you're not. It's just naturally occurring in the world. Super fucking cool. It was really interesting when I zoned into a different area without realizing it for a bounty as well. Because I was bouncing around and all of a sudden I'm somewhere and I'm going, this doesn't look, I don't recognize this. What the fuck? Where am I? <laughs> this isn't the hinterlands. But it looked gorgeous. Like it was there again. The art department did a great job on these zones. I haven't gone through all of them, so I I, I don't know if they're all the same. But the the ones that I did go through were really fucking cool. Like really cool, and I like the the the, the mobs that you were fighting there too. So yeah, I for the price, definitely worth it. Definitely, definitely worth it. You get a and that's coming from somebody who bought two of these. Plus, add the currency conversion rate that's higher than what you guys will pay. And I still think, no, it was worth it. I will say that as also someone who adored playing a, a general Necro in D2, it's not quite the same feel. But the reason I'm all right with it is because it's better. It's more, it, it, it demands more from you as the player. And, and mm-hmm. I love that. It's it's not easy mode. You have to plan out your spec properly. You need the right gear as well. You need to be putting your abilities in the right order kind of thing. I find that of all of these, the, the classes now, as they stand now, I I actually think this is the more, more intricate and has the potential to be the most fun. Also, a little bit more daunting for new players, 
maybe until they get used to it. But that's fine though, because it's not you know part of the base game. You're allowed exactly. to make things more complex. It, it's an evolution on class development for Diablo. I feel, and it it works. Okay. It really works. So yeah, I would actually tell people if if you're competitive about the seasons and you like to get as high as you can during the season, then pick this up beforehand so that you can go into it knowing what spec you want to play. But if you don't care, then yeah, you can wait until later on so that you're not wasting time now. But again, I'm looking at now for us as let's study, let's learn what it is so that once it starts up, we can really dive in and and not have to worry about it. Regardless, ton of fucking fun. So that is going to wrap up the episode for today. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us some comments. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually. Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simodian. And I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you in a few days when we have our next Shadowrun session with a special guest who's going to be joining us permanently. Awesome. So we'll see you then. Until we kill him. That'd be awesome. Kill him the first fucking... He could become <laughs> Kenny. Every episode, he gets killed at the end. <laughs> and then we wonder, how long is it going to take before he clues into it? Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.